Welcome back to But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Monday morning. If you're listening to this on Monday, we are back to every single Monday uploads. I'm really, really excited to finally just get back on track. I did a little Instagram feedback questionnaire where you guys could share what you liked about the podcast, what you didn't like, and I had an overwhelming And I do mean overwhelming. I don't think there was a single person who didn't say this amount of people who said they really preferred the solo episodes. And so in this episode, I'm talking about 10 of my biggest career mistakes. I got this idea from Millennial Life Crisis Podcast. I love their podcast. But I thought it would be good because I have done both a traditional job and I've done YouTube since I was like 12 and so I feel like I have learned so much just with my career in terms of working at an agency and working on YouTube and I just thought that this would be really informative. I'm talking about a lot of things that I haven't ever mentioned in my YouTube videos so I think it'll be good to listen and I also wanted to switch it up and I did a few submissions at the end from some of your guys's career mistakes that you have made so for people who maybe do have more traditional jobs I think that this will be really helpful to share. So that is the setup for this podcast episode. If you guys want to be a part of any of my future episodes, make sure to follow me on Instagram. It's just at Michelle Reed. I don't have like a podcast Instagram. I just prefer to keep it on my main just to better interact with you guys so you can follow me on there. And if you guys aren't subscribed to the podcast, you definitely should be because like I said, uploads are about to be much more regular. So you'll get notifications and all that jazz. So let's just sit down, buckle up and talk about my biggest career mistakes. start off this episode with a quote. This is a quote that I really like. It's actually from a book called The Defining Decade and I really haven't actually read this book but I saw this quote somewhere and I thought it was really good. It's from Meg Jay who is the author of the book but she says, for the most part naturals are myths. People who are especially good at something may have some innate inclination or some particular talent but they have also spent about 10,000 hours practicing or doing that thing and I think with your career you will kind of see in my mistakes but a lot of times our mistakes stem from maybe feeling like we aren't good enough maybe feeling insecure maybe feeling like we're giving up too early when it really takes a long time to get good at something and especially for me with YouTube and being a content creator I think that's the biggest thing that I have learned And it can be so intimidating just to start something or even just a normal job, a quote normal job. It can be really intimidating to start and that's how I felt with my job. But this quote just really reassures me that people who are really good at something, while you may not have seen all of the hours they put in to getting better at something, they have spent a lot of time practicing And that's a big part of it. And so I just thought that that would be important to start with. And along with that, I kind of wanted to run through what I currently do on YouTube, how I make money, and then also run through the past jobs that I've had. And so my past jobs, I started actually working just with the way that a lot of people start working. That's just with babysitting. I babysitted a little bit in just like middle school and high school. Not ever a lot. I think my siblings definitely babysat more than I did. But I would do it here and there and make like $8 an hour. And I would say that was my first real career quote experience. And I think that career experience can be both paid and unpaid, obviously. And then after that, I started my YouTube channel when I was literally 12 years old. So I've been doing that for 10 years now. And it has been my main job. It's been my job throughout college, throughout where I'm at right now. I was able to quit 
my more traditional job because of YouTube and it is what I consider to be the main career for me and the way that I have learned in my career the most because I've just been doing it for so long. After college, I graduated and started a job July after? Yes. No, it was in June. I started my first kind of quote real not real job because I do think what I do right now is very much real and it's actually an insecurity that I'll talk about at a later point but I never did any internships or anything in college just because YouTube really was a full-time job it was already very hard to do just on top of college let alone an internship as well but in college I was a marketing coordinator for a club at my college so my college had like a theater program and I knew nothing about theater but in a way of trying to get kind of more involved in school I was a coordinator for that club so I would take photos of professors and interview them and take photos at the shows and just kind of focus on the marketing efforts for the theater club and that wasn't paid or anything but I do think I learned a little bit in that so I'll put that in here and then I think that my first real traditional job outside of YouTube I was a marketing coordinator whenever I graduated from college it was June after graduating in May I was a marketing coordinator at a social media marketing agency a very small very startup feel New York City business we worked out of a WeWork there were about I would say 45 employees when I worked there. I learned a lot very quickly at this job. And if you guys have been following me on YouTube, you know I talk a lot about or I did talk a lot about my work there. It was a big part of my channel. And so I definitely have a lot, a lot of things to say about that, especially if you're planning on working in a social media field, if you're planning on working at a startup company. I got lots to say about that. So definitely stay tuned to listen to that. And while we're on the topic, I think a lot of people don't know how YouTube is a career, so I kind of wanted to outline this before in terms of how I make money. So the biggest way that I make money on YouTube is just through sponsorships. So that would be anytime I mention a product that is clearly an ad, it will always say that it's sponsored in a video, in an Instagram post, in a story. Brands are paying for that, and so that is the biggest chunk of change that I currently make off YouTube. The second biggest way that I make money is off of AdSense. And I think people get these two mixed up, but AdSense are the ads that run on your YouTube channel. So they're kind of in the corner. They are the ads that pause the video that you can skip. Those are AdSense. And that is something that I make a decent amount of money off of, but it's not the biggest part. There was a period where it was my main revenue driver for a while when I was getting a lot more views. If anyone is going like viral quote on YouTube, they're making a lot of money off of AdSense. And so that is a big part of the way that I make money. Another way is through usage. So whenever a brand does a sponsorship with me, sometimes they will take the content that I create and they will repurpose it in an ad and then put it on their own owned social. So that is another way I make money. I don't make nearly as much money off that because not all brands use things for usage. Sometimes they're built into just my normal sponsorships, but that is a way that people make money. Some people solely are content creators in the sense that they create content for brands to repurpose and use that never goes up on their social media. Another very small way is just through affiliate links. So if I like a piece of clothing and I link it, you can use different programs. I use reward style and essentially you'll make a small commission if someone buys that product off of your link that you use. I do not make a lot of money off affiliate links. I just recently started using them and it was more so to track how much people buy from when I recommend stuff to kind of see if I wanted to sell a product in the future to have the data of how much I'm selling because it's really valuable data to have, especially when you can literally have it from testing it. 
And theoretically, another way I could make money, but I don't, is off of podcast ads. Have really resisted doing podcast ads just because I think it's really healthy to have something that is just a hobby and not necessarily something you're making money from because it just feels more like a hobby and it feels like an extra thing instead of work. And that's how the podcast feels for me. But I definitely could do ads if I wanted to. I might do them in the future, but for now I don't. But theoretically, I could be making money off that. And a lot of people who do a podcast do make money off that, but I do not currently. So to get right into the good stuff, the first mistake that I made was not taking myself seriously when my career is very much serious. This is something that I've heard from a lot of people who do what I do online. I think as a quote influencer, even though we all hate that word, it's easy to be shy about it, to be kind of afraid to talk about it, to feel like it's not technically a real job and to really downplay it. It's something that I have done literally my whole life since I've been doing this. I did it literally a month ago and I was actually getting a wax, which is not a fun thing to do (laughs) by any means, but the woman who was doing it was asking me about what I did. And it's such a simple question and it's something that every time someone asks me, I immediately get nervous because I do not want to say, I'm a YouTuber, I'm a social media content creator because it just feels weird. It feels like lesser than even though it really is not and it's something to be proud of. Like whatever job you're doing is something to be proud of. If it fulfills you, you should be proud to talk about it. And I have always suffered from this weird thing in my mind where I just do not want to tell people that I do this. And so I always make up this story and specifically this time when this woman asked, I told her that I worked in marketing and of course people are going to keep asking you about your job and so I drilled myself into this long hole of a lie that wasn't even true I said I worked at as a coordinator at this nonprofit, which literally is a lie I straight up lied to this woman because I was too afraid to tell her that I work as a social media content creator and so I think that I've just always felt like this career isn't serious and it's led me to make a lot of mistakes in my career because I don't take it seriously and I'm scared to tell people about it Another way that this has kind of manifested itself is a lot of times I would have friends kind of ask me to do favors because they see this more as a hobby, more as something that I just do on the side when it is actually my job. And so I can't tell you even now how many people I've had ask me to like give them shout outs on YouTube or they have a business and they want to send me stuff to promote for free and I always feel guilty telling people no and I've even kind of given people shout outs or promoted people before promoted products because they're my friend's stuff and I think if I just realize that hey this is a job and I wouldn't ask my friend who works a more traditional job to do something for me that is a part of their job for free. So why am I doing that to myself? And I think with this kind of job, you do get asked to do that a little bit more. And I don't take offense to that by any means. And it's really important to set up boundaries. And the biggest example of not setting up boundaries, this is one of my most embarrassing stories. And it's just so sad that this kind of stuff happens. And I hate it. And specifically, if you are a woman in the workplace, I think this is a big thing. But one of the hardest things about YouTube is whenever you're making a video, you have to find non on copyrighted music which oftentimes really is not very great and so a lot of times when I'm finding music to put in my YouTube videos I will just search on YouTube non-copyrighted music and a lot of times they're free for use and this one time I had used this song which I guess wasn't technically free for use that you had to actually purchase but I did not know 
I wasn't aware of. I should have looked more into it. It was totally my fault. And so I used it in one of my videos and I got this really just rude email from this person whose music that I guess I did technically use and monetize and it was illegal but it was a very just mean message and so I emailed this person back and I said I was totally sorry I'd pay them for the damages felt really bad and this guy was like oh no it's actually okay he said he was a producer and he produced music for this girl whose song that I used which he was a producer but listen to the story a little bit more and see what I mean but I just felt really bad and so this guy said he was coming to New York in a couple of weeks and he'd love to meet up and we could talk more about how to kind of proceed further and if I wanted to use their music again how to make it work and I just kind of saw it as I felt bad so I was going to meet up with this person I felt bad because I'd use their music if I wanted to use their music again now I can if I meet up with this guy and just kind of figure things out so I saw it as a business meeting and I think the first red flag was he asked if I wanted to do dinner And I was 18 at this time, so I was really young and definitely still just, like, naive. In New York City, I was saying yes to a lot of things at the time, and so it just felt normal. And so I was like, it's a little weird that it's not, like, a lunch thing, but whatever. So I met up with this guy for dinner, and he was, like, five years older than me. I think he was 23, and I was really young. And in my mind, I just thought it was a business meeting, so I thought it was totally fine. I think we got pizza or something, which obviously is not a business meeting if you're getting pizza with someone. And immediately when I showed up, he gave me like a side hug. And I was just extremely uncomfortable because obviously this was not considered a date to me, but it was very clear right when I got there that it was a date. This guy was asking me about my family and then afterwards I remember we were crossing the street and in New York you get pretty close to cars when you're crossing the street so I was used to it I didn't think it was weird but he like pulled me to the side because he thought that a car was about to hit me and it was just a big like hey you don't touch me like that's inappropriate <laughs> and then he tried to walk me home but I was like I do not want this random man to know where I live And so I just walked home by myself. I bring this story up because it was very clear to me that I didn't take my job seriously when I allow myself to get into a situation like that and just kind of be taken advantage of because I made a mistake that led me to do something that I didn't want to do. I did not want to meet up with this guy. I did not care to make business with this guy. And so all that to say, take your job seriously treat it seriously and don't just do favors for people because you feel like you have to. The next biggest one is just selling myself short in terms of compensation. I have a few stories for this, but the way that it plays out in my current career is much different than the way it plays out, I think, for other people in terms of not negotiating their salary, not getting the best benefits. And I have a whole podcast on that if you want to listen to it with one of my former professors who really helped me get a higher salary. She's great. Her name's Dr. Reeve. She's awesome. So you can go listen to that episode. It's one of my earlier ones. But on YouTube, YouTube works very different in terms of whenever you work with a brand, a lot of times they will come directly to you and say, X is our budget. So we want an Instagram post, an Instagram story for $500. I'm just throwing out a random number. But a lot of times when I started out on YouTube, I would just take that number that they said as set in point. I would never try to negotiate. I never try to bring it higher. I would just take it. And looking back, that was so stupid, especially after working at an agency. Of course, a company is going to tell you the lowest possible amount that they're willing to pay just to get you to bite in case that you are very naive like I was and you just get excited about that and take it. And so I lost so much money starting out, probably thousands and thousands of dollars because I was not 
knowing my worth. Especially working at the agency, I learned what other influencers were charging and it really helped me realize my worth. You should always just try to negotiate your salary higher, even if you think that you can't, even if you think it sounds outrageous, just try. One time I worked with this company that a lot of YouTubers worked with. They were very shady. You probably know the company I'm talking about if you're in the influencer world, but it was an app and they would send people on these crazy trips just so you would promote their app and you would actually technically promote it for free even before and if you had a certain amount of followers you would get sent on these trips smart business model but obviously died very fast they also had a lot of just controversies within the company i fell into it and i really look back on it and think that it was a big big mistake for me personally because I remember specifically, I promoted this app for months and the app was actually really cool. It was designed to where you could shop all your favorite stores just within one app. It was really smart. I actually really liked the app and so I didn't mind promoting it, but anytime you're promoting something so much, you should be getting paid for it. That's kind of correct. That's how a lot of other brands are doing it, so they should have done it the same. But I remember I reached like 10,000 followers on this app and so I got a trip to Hawaii And it was supposed to be this big deal. But looking back on it, this trip was a day of travel. So you had to travel like 10 hours to get to Hawaii. We were there for a single day. And then I went back the next day. They didn't pay anyone. They took all of these photos to promote these influencers using their app. And it made you feel very just luxurious. Like, oh, I'm getting a photo shoot. I'm getting my hair blown out. But they did not pay you at all. And they owned all these photos of you. And... I really think they took advantage of young teenagers. I was in college, I think, when I did this. So this wasn't even me as a teenager, but I totally regret that. I think that I fell into the thing that everyone else fell into of getting a fancy trip and all this other stuff, but it's not worth it if you're not being properly compensated and it's literally for a day. So key takeaway is don't sell yourself short, know your worth, and don't be afraid to ask for it. So now we're going back into time and going back to when I was working at the marketing agency. So when I started, just to give you some context of how this work worked, essentially at a marketing agency like the one I worked at, you would work on multiple accounts. So we would get different clients from a lot of just direct-to-consumer brands and each kind of person worked on a few accounts. So I was typically on three to four accounts at a time if they were accounts that were smaller, less work, you'd be on more. It just depends on the ones that you were on. Already a small company and so everyone was pretty much stretched thin. That's kind of the nature of working at a small kind of startup. It feels like that. I was working from 8 to 6 during the week and then I would get home at like 6.30. I would eat dinner and then I would start working again around like 7.30 and I would work till 10. I did this for a couple of weeks and looking back on it, it makes me so sad because I would make all these like work week in my life videos and everything looked so glamorous. Everything looked so fun like, oh, I'm working at a marketing agency in New York City right out of college having the best time. Behind the scenes, I was stretched so thin. My mental health was out of whack. I could not sleep at night because I was always working up until I went to bed and so my mind was like frazzled all the time. It was honestly one of the saddest parts of my life. It was really fun at first but the longer that I was living this lifestyle while also working on YouTube, it was super unsustainable by all all means. Like all means it was not possible for anyone to do and it makes me really sad that 
people watch these videos and my channel grew so much. I was getting more views than I had ever had before, which only kind of fed my mind and telling me, you know, you're doing the right thing because people like this. Your side gig's growing and your main gig's growing, so everything's well, but everything was not well. I was so stretched thin, but my biggest regret was not speaking up to my boss and telling her that I was stretched thin. So on our teams, it worked. There was a coordinator, a manager, a senior manager, and a director on the team. They would actually watch my vlogs and see how stressed I was. And instead of me being the one to come to them to tell them, I actually had one of my boss watch, I actually had one of my bosses watch my videos and she came up to me and said, hey, like, are you doing okay? It looks like you're really stressed. And that was just embarrassing for me because I should have been the one to tell her. I should have been the one to speak up. And I think it can be really hard when you're in a job that is so fast paced there's so much work you think everyone is stretched thin so who am I to speak up and say something about it but I think it is really worth telling your boss when you need a little bit of help because they could have easily put someone else on the team alleviated some of the work put an intern on the team to help because a lot of my work was just kind of like the back end really admin type work my biggest takeaway is in order to manage up for your managers you have to help them manage you And a lot of times that means asking for help when you actually need it and not just silently suffering. So this one is the cliche mistake that you literally learn the one mistake not to make in your career and that is not to cry on the job. But little old me, someone who naturally has an issue with crying too easily, I made this in my first technical traditional jobs. While I was a marketing coordinator at the agency, there was a period in, I believe it was October, when I started considering giving my six weeks because I just felt like, you know, this wasn't sustainable. I was making enough money to be able to just do YouTube, Instagram, that stuff full-time and not to be working two jobs full-time. And so I had put a meeting with my boss boss, who was actually like the CEO of the company. I knew before that I was already feeling very emotional because I really loved my work. I loved the people I worked with and it was so nice to be around them every day and so the thought of just not having that really made me sad and so I was already kind of on edge and also in our office we had like clear walls so all the offices were clear. You could see everyone working and so I knew when I wanted to have this meeting like everyone would be able to look at me. I knew that everyone would be able to see (laughs) and so I went in to meet with her and we had talked for about 10 minutes and I could feel the tears coming and she just asked me why I wasn't able to like keep up with everything that I was handed and I just started crying. I started crying in front of my boss and it was so so embarrassing it was not fun and so I just felt so intimidated and it's definitely okay if you cry at work it's probably better if you go to the bathroom or something and cover it up but my biggest takeaway is just to try to process your emotions before you get into an important meeting before you're around people If you're having a bad day, try to work from home. I know we're all pretty much working from home, so it's probably easier now. But just try not to cry around other people at work. It's not like the biggest mistake you can make, but it is embarrassing. And it also just isn't appropriate to unleash your emotions onto your boss. For this next mistake, I want to preface with this fact. So I am a type 1 on the Enneagram, which means I love order. I love things being in order. I love knowing right from wrong and doing things in a certain way. And most importantly, not making mistakes. This is just my personality. I have always been like this. It's why I never really got in trouble growing up because I 
fear getting in trouble. I fear people correcting me. I fear people getting mad at me. I hate feeling like I'm in the wrong. It is my biggest insecurity because it is totally fine to be in the wrong. It's actually healthy. It's healthy to be corrected. It's healthy to grow. But for this reason, this is why I am so bad at taking critiques. It's one of my biggest flaws and something that I try to work at, but it is extremely hard and extremely emotional for me. So when I was a marketing coordinator, this was really my first job having a clear boss for something that was paid. It was definitely a learning curve for me. And because the job was so much, you learn as you go, you do things outside of your job description, you kind of help where you can. That was just how the work was that there were a lot of things I was supposed to be doing that I didn't know I was supposed to be doing. Naturally, with any job, you're going to learn, oh, I need to do this. And instead of just shifting and correcting, I would take things personally. And so specifically, I remember one time, it was actually, I think, like my first week, maybe my second week, we were in a client meeting and essentially the client would talk on the phone and we would take notes and everything. But I was actually working on another project and didn't know I was supposed to be taking notes during this meeting, which looking back is so dumb. I do not know how I didn't know I was supposed to be taking notes, but I wasn't taking notes. And I remember after my manager asked me like why I wasn't taking notes and if I could next time, just a simple little nudge. But I took it personally and felt like I had made this huge mistake. I felt so bad. I felt like I didn't deserve the job just because I didn't know I was supposed to be taking notes. And I know that's a simple thing, but I just remember that feeling in my gut whenever you are corrected and you feel like you made a mistake. It just stinks. And I really didn't like it. So my takeaway is to use critiques to get better at your work and actually be thankful for them. And don't resent people who critique you because it's actually really good for you, especially if you're trying to grow in your career in the long run. This one is a biggie, but it is just to not engage in workplace gossip. So I have never been someone who really likes to gossip. I obviously am human, so I do from time to time, but it never makes me feel good. I always feel bad after I'm out with people and I know I was gossiping all night and then I go home. It just makes me feel really bad. And so I've always tried to not do that. I've always tried to be with friends who don't engage in gossip as much as possible. Just because it's better for me, it's better for everyone. I don't get that feeling, but I can tell you it is so easy when you work, when you're around your coworkers all day, when you're just working all day to engage in gossip. I think whenever you're working in your career, it's very easy to get caught up in gossip. You also just never know who's going to tell who something that you said. And so just have your guard up and just know that you don't have to engage with that. If you don't like to gossip with your coworkers, just tell them. Um, sometimes it can seem lighthearted and fun, but it just never made me feel good. And it's something that I wish I didn't do and I wish wasn't so easy to do at your job. So takeaway is just don't gossip, even if it's at work or in your personal life or whatever. Gossiping is not fun and it only hurts you. This one relates to all the jobs that I've had so far, but that is just simply not delegating and specializing in what I'm good at. Sometimes in your career, you get to the point where you can hand off certain tasks to other people. So maybe you're at a point where you're really good at something and you don't need to be filling out all the Excel spreadsheets. You don't need to be doing admin tasks, you kind of upgrade to more important tasks to do. And I think in my career, I have done this specifically on YouTube and when I was a marketing coordinator, I did it in both roles. 
for so long on YouTube, I was so against getting a manager. A manager is someone who negotiates all your brand deals. They read your contracts. They help you get better deals. They basically handle all your emails and try to stop doing free work and start getting more money from the things that you're doing. And I always resented getting a manager because I was like, I work at an agency. I know how to do these deals. I know how brands try to take advantage of people. And I felt pride off of reading my contracts and learning. And I don't regret not having one because I did learn a lot. But I can tell you after having a manager for the past few months, I got my manager I think in March I'm pretty sure. I can just tell you how much A more money I've made, B how much better usage rights I get. I used to give brands the ability to use my content and ads for like perpetuity pretty much which is awful. I'm not getting trapped into bad legal situations and I'm also getting paid faster. A lot of times on YouTube brands will try to pay you sometimes three months after you do a deal, which is absolutely crazy. And so now most brands don't pay me past 30 days after I do something, which is really nice. And I owe that to my manager, Andrew. He's really awesome. He's great to work with. I feel like I can really focus on the podcast more because he is reading my contract with a fine tooth comb, pulling out things that shouldn't be in there, things that I just wasn't able to do because I was keeping up with too much. So he's great. I really appreciate him and I think that if you're at the point on YouTube where you can get a manager, you should. And when I was a marketing coordinator, a lot of times I was actually training people because our company was growing so fast. I always felt so nervous to hand off tasks to the people I was training because at the time I had given my six weeks just so I had six weeks to fully depart from the company and finish all my work because I was doing a large amount of work and just important tasks for the clients. And so I was training people to replace me, but a lot of times I was just too scared to hand off things. And I literally was leaving the company, but I still felt too much pride in my work to hand it off. And I wanted to be in control because again, I like to do things a certain way, I like things to be in an order, but it is just not healthy to be like that. You can't control everything. And a lot of times you'll actually be better at your career if you can delegate things that you shouldn't have to be doing. This one is probably the maybe second biggest thing and it's specifically just for me being on YouTube but I think it's everyone in their careers they do this. I do this with everything in life pretty much but that is just comparison and on YouTube it is so easy to compare your content to other people, compare how fast other people are growing, knowing they're making more money than you, knowing they're working for more brands than you are, All these things can oftentimes make you feel extremely just insecure about your work and I have dealt with this for such a long time but it got really bad actually during the onset of the pandemic in like quarantine. I didn't know what I was going to create content about because we were just staying at home and so I was trying to make all these videos that weren't actually me. They felt more like other people. I was trying like a week without using my phone or... 10 things to do in quarantine, just little videos that weren't actually me, that didn't show my personality, and I think I actually lost subscribers during that period, because I think people knew, like, Michelle, you're trying to be something you're not, and that was because I was comparing myself to other people. I was looking at what other people were doing, and I was like, hey, if it works for them, it'll work for me, and what I found on YouTube is the only thing that really works is just being yourself. Like my audience is different than someone else's audience. They appreciate things that other people don't appreciate. And so I just have to be me. And that's the only way that my channel is going to grow. 
takeaway is just don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare your job to other people's jobs. Just don't do it and focus on what you're good at. And also just getting caught up in the numbers. This is a big thing that I think even if you're in a job, maybe your salary, maybe how you're performing compared to your coworkers. But I, for a while, got so caught up in my analytics. So seeing how long people watch my videos, seeing if my subscriber count was growing, if my views were growing, if I was making more on AdSense, all these little things. But now I hardly ever even look at my analytics. I know it might be helpful too, but... I just don't have a healthy relationship with it and so I don't even really look at it. But when I was working at my traditional job at the same time as YouTube, my channel grew so much more than I ever has. I think I gained like 15,000 subscribers, which is a lot, a lot of people. I was making triple off AdSense what I had ever been making. I was making just more money than I knew what to do with. But at the same time, I was working two jobs. I was so stressed. I was getting more just criticism online because I was growing at a pace that I couldn't keep up with. Those things were bleeding into my relationship with Aiden too, so I was constantly working, which never helps a relationship at all. You need balance, and so it looked like I was experiencing all this success, but I was actually miserable. I looked tired all the time, and that's because I was tired all the time. It was just not a fun time of life, but to anyone from the outside, it would look like I had everything made. I was making a lot of money. I was having this nice job, getting approval from people online, but it was not fun at all. And now, I don't make as much money as I did then. I don't have as many views on my videos as I did then. And I only have one job, but I'm much happier now. I have time to cook dinner at night and listen to a podcast. I have time to hang out with my husband on the couch and rewatch Yellowstone for the third time. I have time to see my family because I'm here close to my family. All these things that don't bring me monetary success, but make me a much more well-rounded person. And I think that I have found more success by having balance than just looking like I did from the outside. And all those insecurities stem from looking at my analytics. So the takeaway is don't just get caught up in your success and how it appears on paper, but look at how you actually feel in your life in a holistic way. And this one, I think anyone can take it, but it's just wasting time on things that don't actually bring me value or money. Seems like it contradicts the past point, but one specific example of this was I, a lot of times as a YouTuber, get invited to PR events, which essentially it's just an event that you go to. Sometimes you can be paid to go to them. I never was paid to go up. Oh, a couple times I was, but for the most part, it was just events you could stop by. And there would be a ton of other bloggers. In New York City, it was mostly fashion bloggers. So people who had a lot of designer items were dressed head to toe in like Gucci or something like that. And they would have really fancy food and you'd look at products. And New York City had so many of these. And these were fun when I would go to them with friends or with Aiden. But a lot of times I just went alone because I felt like I had to. And I was miserable. I'm an introvert and I hate being around large groups of people. It's just not fun for me, especially when it's people who really care about fashion when I just don't care as much about fashion. <laughs> for a lot of times, maybe actually nice deep down, but obviously when you don't know people, you just come off as a little more like standoffish. And specifically, I remember this one time I went to an event with Daniel Wellington. It was this event where you made 
floral bouquets, but it was actually really fun. But one time I was just introducing myself to other people around there because I thought that was a nice thing to do. And I'm not going to say who this was, but it was this one girl who I just put out my hand to and I said, hey, I'm Michelle. Like, what's your name? And she looked at my hand and then looked back at me and just said, hey, and didn't even say her name. She was so rude and I just felt so uncomfortable, but it just highlights that I didn't even want to be at that event. I didn't need to be at that event. I just felt like I had to and a lot of times I would post about these events and they just look really fun, but a lot of times they're just kind of people being there miserable because they feel like they need to look like their lives are exciting when I'd rather just be at home like eating Thai food or something, you know? So, and sometimes I would go to really fun PR events. I went to one for the Museum of Ice Cream, which was so much fun. It was all this free ice cream. I went with my friend Carson, who is like the absolute best to be around. She's so fun. Another time I went to a lunch with the founder of Kopari and I met Vivian Audi, if you guys know her on Instagram, and Jules Jacobson. They were so sweet. We just had a really good time at lunch. It was really fun, but for the most part, a lot of those events weren't fun. So the takeaway is just not to waste time on things that don't bring you joy or money or they don't push you. If they're just kind of there, you don't need to go to them. So now I just wanted to read a few of your guys' personal career mistakes that you have made. And so I actually just got these in an email form, so they're a little bit longer, but I wanted to go ahead and read them. If you guys are in a more traditional job, these might be helpful as well. So this one is from Kelly, and she says, I was an intern for a professional sports team back in 2018 and really enjoyed my time there. My manager at the time told me he put in a request to keep me as a full-time employee following the end of my internship. I was so excited about that that I put all my eggs in one basket with that position. I stopped applying for jobs because I was just waiting to hear back from this one. I was unemployed for about two months just waiting to hear back. I followed up with my boss several times but never heard a response. I had been ghosted and was still unemployed. I ended up finding a full-time position elsewhere shortly after, but I will always learn from my mistake. Now, as a manager of interns at my current role, I highly encourage our interns to look for positions throughout the internship and not rely on landing a full-time position with our company. I'd rather have someone leave early for a great opportunity elsewhere and help them develop their skills while I can versus having someone bank on being with us full-time and then being SOL. So I really like that one. I think it's really important. I know a lot of friends who just expected to get hired at the company they were interning for and then ended up not getting hired. And so it's great if you do get hired, but I think it would also be better to get some other offers. So maybe if you do negotiate your salary because you do get and offer at your internship for a full-time position, you have something to kind of counter with if you can get a better salary. Macy says that her biggest career mistake was accepting the first job after she got right out of college. After graduating from college, I was exploring different fields. I knew I wanted to be in the city, but the career path that I wanted to go down was unclear. So I had several interviews all over the place in different areas of work and environments, but the minute I got a job offer, I accepted it. I was cautious at first, went in, looked at the office, met the people, and saw somewhat of an outline of my job description. But after my first time seeing the place, I had a weird feeling like it wasn't a great fit. Looking back, there were red flags all over the place. But out of fear of not being offered another job, I accepted it and it was the biggest mistake ever. I ended up being laid off. I honestly don't even know what to call it after six months. Worst six months of my life. The people were mean. The job description I was originally given was completely a lie and I felt stuck. I had just graduated. I had hardly any real full-time jobs on my resume and having to put on there that I had worked my first job for six months was not ideal. Luckily, the Lord provided me with a fantastic job after a couple months of looking. I'm still working there and I love it, and the people that I'm around. My advice would be to wait. 
even if you have the slightest feeling that it might not be the right fit. Take that and really think about it. The odds are it is probably not the right fit. No job is better than a terrible job. After graduating, I was so afraid to have to move back home that I was just so quick to accept the job. But looking back, moving back home seems like heaven compared to that job and the experiences there. It's just not worth it. Ask questions and when you think you don't have any more, ask more. I regret not asking more detailed questions and even questioning their answers to my questions. Instead of them not giving a clear answer, keep going deeper to find out more about the job and the environment. I just think that this one is so important if you guys are getting your first job. And I know, especially during the pandemic, it might seem rare that you even can get a job. It can be hard to feel like you know, maybe I can't question this. And if you literally need a job, you need money, you cannot be unemployed, then obviously this does not apply. If you have the freedom and privilege to wait to get a better job, totally wait. You don't want to be in this situation. And yeah, it does not look good to leave a job super quick. So try to stay. I was also only in my job for six months. So I definitely relate and agree with that one. So Hannah says on this one, I'm a freelancer in the creative field myself. And one of my earliest career mistakes was saying yes to projects before requesting Clarity surrounding payment. One of my earliest career mistakes was accepting a job for a show at New York Fashion Week as a styling assistant before getting in writing that I'd be paid or reimbursed. Not only was I never paid, but I was never reimbursed for my $500 round trip flight. Yikes. It was a great learning experience for sure and led to other paid opportunities, but if I could look back, I'd tell my younger self to check first. A piece of advice I'd give to people in my shoes to gain clarity on who is paying, the terms of payment, and the method of payment before accepting a job no matter how cool the opportunity sounds. Yeah, don't do free work, y'all. I mean, if you're in the position where it seems like a fun opportunity, you can't afford to travel somewhere and do it for free, then that's fine. If it leads to paid events, like, that's cool too, but always make sure you know beforehand if it is paid or unpaid because that is not a good situation. This last one is from Vera, and she says, I finished college at age 18, so my naive self decided that before my doctorate, I should get an internship. I decided I would do a neuropsychology internship, which was unpaid, to gain more experience before grad school. Biggest mistake ever. When you're unpaid, people can take advantage of you, and one of the more senior workers bullied me behind closed doors. I couldn't even tell on her because no one would believe me. I ended up having to leave this internship without giving advance notice. Instead, I arrived a few days later with a resignation note and cried on my way home. Lesson learned. Don't do free internships and make sure to leave the door open if you ever have a team member talk to you one-on-one. Yeah, this is so true. I can't even believe unpaid internships are a thing. I've really seen a lot about this lately because technically only the people who can do unpaid internships are those who can afford to And that means that those people get propped up and people who need to be paid don't. I feel like it would just lead to wealth disparities too. So yeah, it's just a whole big issue. And I know that some people probably really valued their unpaid internships. You can learn a lot, but if you can be paid, it's definitely the better option. So that is it for this episode. I hope this kind of just gave you guys some career advice, some insight into my career and things that I've learned. Obviously, we are always learning and I just want you guys to be well compensated, (laughs) to be smart with the decisions that you make, and just know that you lead your career and you are in control of it. So act like it and treasure your career and try to do something that you actually like doing if you are able to. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you did. Feel free to leave a review if you're on Apple. Feel free to subscribe if you want to stay tuned for the next one on Monday, but I will talk to you guys next week in next week's podcast episode. Bye friends.